hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Two weeks ago, we, we saw <laughs> uh, that, that, that Jesus wanted us to understand that we cannot serve two masters, that we cannot serve God and money, because we will love one and hate the other, or we'll despise one and we'll love the other. Either way, he says, you can't do it. You cannot serve God and money. And last week should have brought us a bit of relief because Jesus told us not to worry about for the things that we need. He said that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that all the things that we need, he would provide. What we will drink, what we will wear, he promised to provide everything that we needed if we sought first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that should have been just a good time to decompress. Because we don't have to worry about money when we put kingdom business first. Because Jesus will take care of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so today, Jesus wants to talk to us about judging. About judging. And uh, Harry A. Ironside, in his book, Illustrations of Biblical Truth, tells the story of Bishop Potter, who was, uh, he embarked on this great transatlantic cruise on one of these large uh, ship, uh, one of these large uh, ocean liners, and he went on board and discovered that he would be rooming, sharing his cabin, that is, with another fellow, and he hustled to the room to meet this fellow, and upon meeting his cabin mate, he went and found the purser and said, look, I'd like for you to keep my, my gold watch and my other valuables. I've, I've met my, my cabin mate, and just, just after looking at him, I don't think he's trustworthy. So will you put these in the ship safe? And the purser said, we would love to put away your valuables. Matter of fact, your roommate was up here saying the same thing about you. <laughs> Jesus wants to talk to us about judging. And truth be told, all of us make judgments about other people. And I've discovered that we do this without even thinking about it. We make judgments about who people associate with. We make judgments about the clothes that some people wear. We make judgments about body image. We make judgments about what people may or may not do. And if you're like me, you make judgments about the way people drive early in the morning on the I-10. <laughs> so in the morning, when I'm on the way to work, and I see some nut doing 95 or 90 down the highway, and I'm just like, what is this idiot thinking? And I make a judgment. Then it's like, Rod, you don't know what's happening in his life. Maybe he's headed to the hospital because his spouse or his, his, his parent or child is on the verge of death, and he's trying to get there. You don't know. And so I have to repent. We don't know that when we judge somebody based upon what they're wearing, we don't know if that's all that they can afford. And yet sometimes we make this type of judgment. We make judgments about how people appear, and maybe somebody that we make a judgment on, on maybe they've got a pharmaceutical that causes them to gain weight or lose weight, and, and we just really we don't know if we're honest with ourselves. 
And when we see people doing certain things or associating with certain people, we don't know what they're up to. They could be evangelizing. They could be counseling. Truth is, sometimes we don't know, but yet we still choose to make judgments about people like that. More importantly, we even make judgments of one another here in the household of faith. And we do it without even thinking about it. John Wesley told the story of a man that he had little respect for because he watched this man who was wealthy uh, give just a very little amount to, what, to a, a cause that Wesley thought was very, very worthy. And after this man gave this little bit to this cause, John Wesley confronted the man and, and, and lambasted him and criticized him openly. And so the man pulled John Wesley aside privately, privately and said, look, I've made a lot of money over the years, and I've, and I've accumulated a lot of debt. However, since coming to Jesus, he has made an honest man of me. And for the past few weeks, I've been living on parsnips and water because I've been trying to pay back each and every person that I owe because I want them to see the grace of God in me. And when Wesley heard this, he had to, to apologize. And he had to ask this man for his forgiveness because he made a judgment without having all the information. And today Jesus has something to say to us about judgment. So if you have a Bible, turn with me. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 1, and just for context sake, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's got this multitude in front of him, uh, and he is preaching kingdom principles. And he tells this, this, this crowd and us today uh, to not make hypercritical judgments. Not to make hypercritical judgments. Look at the text, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. I want you to think about this. In the Greek text, this is the command. Uh, it's a present active imperative. Here's what that means. It's a command, number one. But it's something that we do each and every day such that it's a habit. Jesus knows the human heart. The Greek word for judge is krino. And it means to, to judge or to pass judgment, to express an opinion about, to pass on an unfavorable judgment, uh, to criticize, to find fault with, to condemn. And Jesus says, stop judging. Do not judge. Because we do this each and every day. And, and as I mentioned before, sometimes we don't even realize that we're judging other people. I was, uh, yesterday morning, I was... Uh, in one of the DMV offices, and we're waiting for our number to come up, and sitting there, just, just me, and just doing nothing, but in my mind, it's just, wow, does she have enough holes in those pants? <laughs> my gosh, hmm, and she's showing way too much stomach, oh my, you need to just, you need to cover that up. Uh, when she put that video game away, it's just so irritating, my gosh, come on. And all of these thoughts are going through my head as I am sitting there, uh, holier than thou, but judging others based on what they're wearing or how they might look. And the gal with the tattoos all down her, just like, oh my, just 
Now, just because I'm afraid of needles, you know, um, there's no reason to judge. But I found myself just making mental notes about folks who would come in and just like, wow, he sure is filthy. My gosh, go take a shower or something. And then I got to preach this today and last <laughs> night. And it's like, okay, Lord, I hear you. Don't, do not judge. Don't make hypocritical judgments, Jesus says. In matter of fact, he says, stop, because it's an ongoing action that Jesus knows we do each and every day throughout the day. So stop judging. Now, the world will take this verse and will turn it against us. Bible says, you shall not judge. Don't judge. Don't you judge me. And sometimes even we do that as Christians. Bible says, don't judge. And it does. Question is, what's the context of the judging? See, Jesus isn't saying that we should never, ever make a judgment. Because he expects us to discern between what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what is evil. Matter of fact, if your child or grandchild were about to do something that would harm them, what would you do? You would make a judgment call and you would stop them from doing that that might harm, harm them, right? You would say, oh, let me stop before they hurt themselves. That's a judgment. And Jesus expects us to make judgments, again, between right and wrong, good and evil. But what he doesn't want us to do is to make hypercritical judgments. Dr. Thomas Constable agrees when he says this. He says, clarification on the matter of judgment is needed today because Matthew 7.1 is often used against Christians to intimidate them from engaging in scriptural judging. The verse is used to promote tolerance of erroneous and destructive beliefs and practices associating their critics with mean-spiritedness and arrogance. Those who say judge not are often among the first to judge the Bible for what they say are its politically incorrect affirmations, examples, prescriptions, and prohibitions. So oftentimes when people say, don't judge, they've already judged what the scripture has to say. It's intolerant. It's antiquated. That's not for today. That's old-fashioned. But what we're not to do, again, is to make hypercritical judgments. A hypercritical judgment is a judgment where we don't have all the facts. It's a judgment where we don't know the motives to determine why somebody's doing what they're doing. It's where we don't see the other person's heart. And you know what? We can't see the other person's heart. We will never know the motives behind what they do, what they do. And so for us, including myself, to, to judge somebody, to make a judgment, is wrong. James tells us in, in James chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Do not speak against one another, brethren, talking to the church. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Look at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? It's pretty sobering. There's one judge, and that's Jesus, period, end of sentence. And so... Who am I to judge one of you or somebody else? Kingdom life is a tough life, but it can be lived 
out. And my hope and prayer for us today is that we would be conscious of the, the, the judgments that we bring upon others. Even when we're not, when we're not thinking about it, we, we do it. So Jesus says to do not judge, to stop judging. Here's why, purpose statement, rest of verse 1, so that you will not be judged by God. This is a, a divine passive in the Greek text, and it means that if we judge, God may judge us. If we continue to judge others, God may judge us. Maybe through another person, or even directly, but he might judge us if we continue to judge one another hypercritically. Pastor Ray Pritchard, and I love this, gives us, some, gives us a little checklist to assess whether one is prone to judging with a critical condemnatory spirit. He says this, uh, if we blow small things out of proportion, if we, if we maximize the sins of others, their faults, uh, their, their, their failings and their petty ways. If we, come, if we come to quick, hasty, negative conclusions. He says if we get involved in situations where we should not be involved. He says if we pass along critical stories to others. If we have a strong bias to find others guilty. If we're, if, if we're too harsh even when speaking the truth. He says, if we add aggravating remarks when telling a story. I'm pretty good at that one. He says, if we, if we dismiss an unkind remark by saying, I was only joking. If we say something critical and then try to cover it up. If, if being unkind and then quickly changing the subject. If we're telling too many people about what others have done to us. He says, if we take pleasure in condemning others, if we tell the truth in order to hurt and not help, if we put others down in order to make ourselves look better, and if we minimize our sins so that we can magnify somebody else's sins. I like this checklist because it turns the mirror on me before I choose to make a judgment. And if we make hypercritical judgments, look at verse 2 with me. Look at what Jesus says. He says, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Jesus expands upon verse 1. He says, in the way that you choose to judge others, God will, future promise, he will judge you with this, in the same manner. And whatever your standard of measure is, what, however you want to measure people, God will use that same standard for you. And if you are the standard, if I'm the standard, then we're all in trouble. Because Jesus is the standard. And we're trying to measure up to him. Not to Pastor Rod, not to Pastor Greg, not to Pastor Ron, not to yourself. Jesus is our standard. And Jesus says, the way in which we judge, God will judge us. And that same measure, God will use that measure to judge us. It's a divine passive in the Greek text. He will 
judge us the way we judge others. He will measure us the way we measured others. He will use that same standard. Did you know that when we leave this life or Jesus comes back that we are going to be judged by him? Did you know that? We will be judged by Jesus Christ when we leave this life or he comes back for us. But it won't be about our salvation. It won't be for sins. It will be for our service to Christ. Jesus is going to look at my life and your life, and based on what we've done here in this world, in this body, he is going to judge us. And if, if there are rewards left over for the good works that we've done, then we get a reward. You, you look like you don't believe me. Okay. Let's do some scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It's on the screen. The Apostle Paul says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Jesus is going to judge everything that we do here in the body. Since salvation, and it, whether good or bad, we're going to be judged by him. I got to tell you, that's a frightening thing for me. To stand before a holy God who knows my heart and my motives and my desires and knows why I do what I do, there's nothing I can hide from him. I can't blame Deborah. I can't blame the kids. I can't blame Pastor Greg. It's, he's going to be looking at me. And what do I say to Jesus who knows everything about me? There, 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 there will be no excuses. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, Paul says this. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, these are our works. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built on, on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. This is loss of reward. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so Jesus is going to take everything that we've done for the kingdom, and he's going to put the fire to it. And the stuff that I did for me, so I could look good, so I could sound good, so I could look sharp, gets burned up, poof, gone. But the things that I did for the kingdom, the things I did to bring glory to Jesus Christ, those things will remain. However small, however large, whatever that might be, Jesus will decide. And if anything remains, then I get a reward from the Lord, and you get a reward from the Lord based on our service. So Jesus will judge. And uh, the, James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, reminds us this. This is for you, you, you Bible teachers and pastors and small group leaders. He said, let, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. So pastor, preacher, evangelist, Bible teacher, small group leader, whatever it might be, you will incur and I will incur a stricter judgment because we are the ones who are teaching and sharing the word of God. And we should be living out what we are teaching. And that will be no excuse. And I got to tell you, this is the one verse many years ago when I came upon it terrified me. It really did. Uh, even today, just, it's just like 
I'm going to be in that other line where Jesus is going to look at everything and then he's going to look at it in more detail. And right, if that's the case, stop judging others. Don't judge hypercritically without all the information, without knowing what's going on behind the scenes, without knowing other people's heart. Rod, stop judging others. But then Jesus also says not to judge hypocritically. Look at verses 3 through 5 with me. Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, which is not a nice thing, by the way. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The Greek word for speck is, is karphos, and it means a splinter or, or a speck, a chip, a small piece of straw. Uh, chaff or, or, or wood. It denotes something that's quite insignificant. And Jesus asked the question to the, this crowd around him, to his disciples and to us today. Why do you look, and here's the idea, that we continually, every day, look at everybody else's sin all day, each day. It's a habit that we do. Why do you continue to look at this little bitty insignificant sin in your brother's eye? And you don't take the time to notice continually each and every day the log that is in your own eye. Here's what he's saying. We spend a lot of time judging other people's sins. However insignificant, however small, we spend more time looking at other people's sins and we never, we rarely take the time to focus on ourselves. Because we're too busy looking at y'all rather than looking at myself. And that's the idea. We spend all our time looking at other people rather than spending that time looking in inward at ourselves and the log that is in our own eyes. Jesus says to do that is hypocritical. To worry about your sin or somebody else's sin rather than your own, he says that's hypocritical. You hypocrite. Here's the command. First, Spend your day taking the log out of your eye. Worry about your own sin. Take care of the sin in your own life. Then, he says, you will see clearly to take the, the speck out of your brother's eye. What if we focused on our own failings? our own sin, our own failures, rather than somebody else's. And when, we had a, when we've addressed our sin, then we can go help somebody else. Uh, J. Dwight Pentecost writes this. He says that our Lord said, when you put yourself in the position of a judge, you are like a blind surgeon trying to remove a splinter in someone else's eye. He says it cannot be done. What our Lord was teaching is that man can look only on the external appearance, therefore... He cannot judge the motives of another man's mind and heart. When he, judges by ex when he judges by externals, he does not deal with the true nature of things. Therefore, our Lord said, since you, in your blindness, 
do not have the ability to determine the true nature of things, do not judge. Does that make sense? Because we don't have all the information. One commentator says, the disciples of the king are to be critical of self, but not of their brethren. He says, the group is to be noted for their bond of unity, which is indicated by a lack of criticism. Uh, this is fitting, since the kingdom is characterized by peace. I agree with that. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, brethren, talking to the church and us today, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one doing what? Looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Take care of our own failings, our own sin first, and then we can help somebody else out. And I love what Ray Stetman observes. He says this. He says, all of us know someone whom we consider a little bit lower on the ethical scale than we are. And what a comfort they are to our hearts. Every time our conscience gives us a little jab, we immediately remember these people and we take courage and feel a lot better. Because I'm not doing as, as bad as what Brother Joe over here is doing. I don't dare do that. I might do a little bit. Not nothing like that. And that's true. We feel better about ourselves when we make these judgments. You know, in the first century, the Pharisees practiced setting themselves up as, as the judges of all men. And they claimed to be able to determine the motives by the actions. And they would judge people's motives. They would judge people's hearts. This is what Jesus is forbidding. We cannot see the heart of another, and we cannot know what their motive is. We can only see what they do, and because of that, we are not to judge. Make sense? Amen. Thirdly, Jesus says this to, he says to do make discerning judgments, that we are to make discerning judgments. Look at verse 6 with me, uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, for, before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus says, here's the command, do not give to dogs what is holy. Now, when you think about dogs in the first century, you can go to the next slide, don't think this. Don't think cute and cuddly and love it, lovable. Don't think this. And they are cute and lovable, by the way. Um, don't think this. In the first century, dogs were, they were dangerous. They, they, they were half wild. They were vicious. Uh, they were diseased. They, they, they were dangerous pack animals. And it's been told that they, they, they've been known to devour corpses on the dung heap, on the fire heap. And they, they've even been known to attack humans at night. Dogs are vicious, not, not pretty, not the kind you want to pet. They are dangerous animals. And Jesus says, do not give what is holy to dogs. And we'll talk about this, this metaphor in just a moment. He also says, and do not throw your pearls before swine. And when you think of swine, when you think of pigs, don't think babe. <laughs> don't think pink, cute, cuddly. 
Don't think that. Matter of fact, don't even think Razorback, although they are dangerous. And, 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 and I got to tell you, they are, you know, don't even think Razorback. I'm from Arkansas, by the way, if y'all hadn't guessed. But pigs in the first century were wild and they were savage and they were dangerous animals. I want you to think Havelina times 10. Dangerous animals who Jesus says that if we cast our pearls before them, that they would trample them underfoot. That if we gave to dogs what is holy, that they would turn and tear you to pieces. Now, he's not talking about literal dogs and pigs. What Jesus is referring to is those people that we will encounter. And when we go to share that which is valuable to us, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that, that is holy, that which is very valuable. When we go to share this with others, and they couldn't give a blankety-blank-blank blank about Jesus, or us, or our gospel, or his salvation, when they tell you to take a hike and take your Jesus with you, we need, Jesus says we need to be discerning because we don't want to take what is valuable and cast that before people who won't value it. Doesn't mean that God can't in the future change their hearts and draw them to himself, but at that moment, we've got to be discerning enough to take what is holy, take what is valuable, and walk away. And that's okay. Jesus told his disciples that if you enter a house and they don't receive you, he said, hey, take your shoes, knock off the dust, keep on going. And we're to do the same. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, 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 is very valuable. And it is something holy. And we don't want to just cast it before anybody. If they're not receptive, keep moving. And that's the idea here. So what do we do? I found this. This is not original with me, but, but I think it will help us. Uh, if there is a need to judge, uh, ask yourself, is there a need? The N stands for, is it necessary? Is it necessary that I judge this other person? Secondly, will it encourage? Will it encourage the person that I'm about to address? Thirdly, will it edify? Will it build them up? Or, well, what I have to say, will it tear them down? And lastly, will it dignify? Will it dignify? Will it, will it support their integrity? Or will it cause them to, to fall and fail? I realize that when we make judgments, we do this sometimes, again, without even thinking about it. It just happens. But what if you and I began to bathe all of these judgments through the word of God, began to be conscious of the things that we are thinking and saying to one another. There'd be a lot less conflict within the church. There'd be a lot less character assassinations within the church. And I think Jesus would be glorified as we chose to love one another rather than tear each other down because we feel like it. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you love one another. Because if we're busy loving each other, we won't have the time to judge one another.
and thus bring ourselves under the judgment of God. Does that make sense? Pray with me. Father, thank you for uh, your word and thank you for our, our time together. Lord, help us today to be mindful of our thoughts and to be mindful when we make a judgment against another. Lord, you are the one and only judge and help us to remember that today. May people see and experience your love and your grace, your mercy and your compassion from us today. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us to live out what you had commanded us to do. And we ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being attentive. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.